prayers, the songs, everything. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to impart some faith to you guys today with this message. I feel like it's right on with what I'm going to be talking about. Good morning. My name is uh, JJ, and I'm one of the elders here at Hillside. Our pastors are away um, this weekend, and they asked me to give the message this morning. So I'm excited to be sharing with you. I'm even more excited now after, after uh, hearing what we've been singing, what's been said um, this morning. So uh, we'll get started. Um, I grew up in a, a small town in Texas, um, and it had a river that was running through it, uh, the San Marcos River. And I have a lot of great memories about this river. Um, I even have some pictures of the San Marcos River. There's my family all tubing down the river. No, it's not. It's just, that's the river. It's usually in the summers, it gets packed, and um, it's a beautiful river. I, well, we go tubing, um, we um, swing off of trees into the river, um, go down the falls. It's just a lot of good memories um, of the river, barbecues, picnics. Um, however, um, you can go to the next, yeah. There's the river, there's the tree, that's the little fall. Um, but at some times, uh, living in, um, in Texas, there's, uh, there's storms, lightning storms, thunderstorms that come. And uh, after a few days of rain and rain, then the rivers, uh, the beds, it can't hold the, all the water, and it starts to flood. So flood time happens, and it's pretty scary. It's a scary time. I have some pictures of floods, the flooded river. Yeah, there it is. Another one turned, yep. That's the fall, and it just uh, it can't take the water anymore. It's flooding over. Um, and it gets scary um, at times where you find, especially those um, homes and restaurants that are near the, uh, the river, they start to take in water, um, huge devastation. It uh, costs a lot of money to fix this up. And, um, and then what you find is that uh, it, you find people sometimes even trapped on one side or the other of this river where um, they can't get to the other side, and at times it becomes uncrossable. Today, um, we're going to talk about another river called the Jordan River and how God led three million people across an uncrossable river. But before we do, let's pray. Let's open up. And oh, God, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for uh, your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for this time that we've had so far, Lord, just worshiping and praising you, God. And Lord, we thank you that we can even come under one roof today, Lord, and, and open up your word. God, I just pray this morning as we open up your word, God, that it will penetrate our hearts, Father, that uh, your words are alive and they're active, God, and they're relevant even today, Lord. Um, and may your words, God, just transform our lives this morning, God. And I just pray against all distractions, Lord, especially distractions between our, uh, in our mind, Lord, this morning, God, that we'll be able to have ears, Lord, to hear you, to hear your word, God. And I pray that it will, like I said, transform our lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the title of my message is um, Crossing the Uncrossable. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to uh, Joshua chapter 3. It's a familiar story probably to most of you. Um, hopefully that you're going to find something in it a little different today. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to show it to you today. So as you're turning to the chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 17. So a lot of scripture. 
but there's a lot packed in this, in this chapter. Um, the book of Joshua is all about facing um, challenges and overcoming challenges by, the, by our living God. Um, while you're turning there, a quick overview. So Joshua takes place just after the death of Moses, who was Israel's longtime leader. It begins with God commissioning Moses' successor. And it's in Joshua chapter 1.1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying this, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel. So Joshua is chosen to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River to take possession of the land that had been long ago um, promised to their forefather, Abraham. You can read about that in Genesis 17. Um, The Israelites had been without a home for over 400 years, and they lived in bondage in Egypt after their release from captivity. And then they wandered aimlessly in the desert for 40 more years. So that's, this is where we pick it up. Now they're, getting, they're at a point now where they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And you'll read about this. We're, we're going to read about it right now. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. Okay? Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. Okay, let's stop and talk about this for one second. So Joshua is leading approximately 3 million people, um, which is, oddly enough, the, what triple the size of San Jose. So imagine all these people just didn't get the magnitude of what, what we're dealing with here. And second, the river is flooded. So, and this is... Um, not just uh, some, uh, some little flood. This is a massive flood that's taking place. So right here where they're at, um, typically this is, um, the river was about 100 feet wide. But historians, historians say that at this particular time during this season, um, it's flooded and it's really flooded. It's about a mile wide and 12 feet deep. So if you go out these doors and you stand on the sidewalk and you look towards the high school, from here to about the running rooster is a mile, um, is, a, is a mile from here. And when I was standing out there, I did this. Well, I kind of did this um, through the help of someone. And um, and she looked over. I said, "Can you see the running rooster?" She said, "No, I can't see it from here. I just just where I'm at, I, I can't see it. It's too far." So, I'm guessing that they probably couldn't see the other side of of the Jordan right now. So this is what they're dealing with. Um, Again, it's flooded because it's a rainy season and there's snow melt coming from Mount Hermon. So this is why it's flooded. But I just, uh, so here we are. He's, he's, um, Jordan has brought them to this river and they're staring at it. Then they're, they're there looking at this river that's uncrossable and it, they have to wait three days. So I don't know about you, but I can't imagine, you know, s- sitting there and like, wait, we're, we're going to cross this. How are we going to cross this mile wide river it is uncrossable they, um, the river is uncrossable there is no way that we're getting to the other side it's uncrossable so thinking about this have you ever had a circumstance 
or situation that was uncrossable. This diagnosis is untreatable. This relationship is unrepairable. This person is unforgivable. This job position, it's unattainable. These circumstances are insurmountable. They are beyond our capability. Right? We can't get our minds around them. Like I said earlier, a river can be fun. It can be uh, enjoyable, uh, refreshing even. But a flooded river, it's scary. It's overwhelming. And it's dangerous. So how was Joshua going to get them across this river? How is God going to get you across something that's uncrossable? Now, I'm sure the people must have wondered what Joshua planned to do here, right? He's the leader now that Moses is gone, and he's think, I'm sure they're thinking, well, they certainly aren't going to want me to swim across this river, right? We can't take three million people and, or build enough boats or rafts to take everybody across the river and all their belongings. So I'm sure that they were nervous. I'm sure that their anxiety came in, fear, uh, concern, as they stared at the... Okay, um, insurmountable circumstances, <laughs> right? You're sitting here and you're waiting for three days. You're waiting three days. I'm going to leave this on in case it turns back on. They're sitting here and they're watching this and they're waiting for three days at this river that is uncrossable. So um, what was God? Was God trying to torment them, uh, making them camp next to this river for three days? No, no, it said that God was preparing them for a miracle. Look back at, um, so definitely you need to look at your Bible here. Um, well, oh, we have, we have the, yeah, we have the uh, scriptures. Um, back to verse two, it says, three days later, Israelites officers went through the camp, we just read that, given these instructions to the people. He said, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position. And follow them. He said this, since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. So um, stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark and make sure you don't come any closer. So the Ark of the Covenant, right, it was very familiar to the Israelites. They knew it held the presence of the Lord. It was holy. It was not to be taken lightly. But the path that they were on was unfamiliar, right? And this is a good word for us. Don't move until you see the ark or the presence of the Lord pass by. Then follow it because it will show you the way. But, there's a but here, but how often, right, do we jump out ahead of God and try to do our way without spending time with him. 
uh, without consulting with him or the Holy Spirit or without, um, um, without waiting and allowing God into our circumstance or situation. Abraham is a great example of jumping, jumping out ahead of God. So most of you know the story. So God promised Abraham that he would have as many children as stars in the sky and be the father of many nations. That was in Genesis 15. But uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. She couldn't have kids. And, um, and so after many years had passed and still no kids, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands, right? They, they didn't wait for God's plan to play out. So Sarah gave her maidservant to lie with Abraham so that they could have a child. God redeemed it, but it was, a, but it was definitely a costly mistake. So like Sarah and, and Adam, we think at times we need to help God with his promises. Maybe he forgot. So we need to help him move things along, right? No, no, we need to wait on the Lord. See, the Israelites, it says they were preparing themselves and positioning themselves to respond when God moves. So how many times have we ran into a situation without seeking the Lord first? And I know we've all done it. We've all done it. We rush in without thinking it all the way through and say, oh, my goodness, what do we do? We bail someone out. We come to the rescue without praying and waiting and seeking God or godly counsel first. I have to take a drink now because I'm, I'm yelling. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't yell at the game last night. Um, we went to a, 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 base, a basketball game and Adrian told me on the way home, why weren't you yelling? Because I usually scream and yell. I said, I was trying to save my voice for today. <laughs> really, I was trying. Now I'm yelling, go Warriors. Um, okay. Um, so up to this point, God had provided the Israelites with everything they needed to survive in the desert or the wilderness. Now God, this is good. Now God was developing in his people a mentality of personal responsibility because soon the manna was going to stop. So God is getting ready to move them into another growth stage of life, into something new. Don't move until you see the ark. And I know we clench our hands onto that steering wheel sometimes, and we think we're in control, but in all honesty, I think we're holding on to dear life, right? Um, it's a false sense of control. And it doesn't have to be that way. Right? There is another way. Trust him. Wait on his perfect timing. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. I should have probably waited a little longer before just yelling at you. Um, wait for his perfect timing. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Awesome. Let's read on. Verse 5. 
Then Joshua told the people, purify or sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. So first of all, what does it mean to sanctify or to purify yourself? Consecrate yourself. That's another word that's used. It simply means that we're getting our heart right before the Lord. In my study Bible, uh, the footnote said about this verse, it says, the people were asked to separate themselves from anything that was unclean and to devote themselves completely or entirely to the Lord. So think about that for a minute. They're asked to purify themselves because God was getting ready to do wonders. So what, that makes me think about what areas in my life and in our life are obstructing or blocking or shutting Jesus out, keeping him from performing wonders. I have a few obstacles. So um, here are some obstacles that will definitely create a barrier between you and Jesus. Um, let me give you a few common things that block us, the things that we need to get rid of. One is unconfessed sin. That's right. Sin blocks the pipeline between us and God. So ask God to show you any areas in your life. Um, one area that many of us are deceived, and we had a whole study on this, is our pride. Andy Stanley, who was the teacher of uh, Killing Pride, Killing It, um, tells us that God, uh, pride keeps God and others out, and it keeps us from going to him. It keeps us, us, it keeps us from reaching out. It keeps us from coming to the altar. It keeps us from confiding in a brother and sister in Christ. Um, so if that's you, or if you, you can say, I suggest you to pray. I suggest you pray this first. You hear a knocking? Oh, okay. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways, God. Maybe see if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me to the way of everlasting. Right? So another area that many of us are deceived by is unforgiveness. That's a big one. And the, whole, and the book of Matthew talks about, uh, Jesus states very clearly that unforgiveness is not an option. And there's this book, it's a great book called Title, it's uh, Grace and Forgiveness. And the book says this, this is good. It says, if we withhold forgiveness from those who have hurt us, no matter how well justified we feel in doing so, we are creating a barrier that will prevent the grace of God flowing into our lives. That is so good. So we need to ask God to purify us and give us the grace to forgive those who have trespassed against us, um, just as God has so graciously and generously forgiven us. Okay, here's another piece that blocks us. Unbelief, lack of faith. We talked about that today. Um, so, and how does, in that, uh, man, I think that will show itself in prolonged trials. Unanswered prayers can create unbelief, right? I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and still there's no answer, right? I pray for that miracle, but nothing has changed. It says, let us be like the father who cried out in Mark 9, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
So these obstacles, if not dealt with, will keep you from witnessing God's miracle in your life and in mine. And it, it will put a veil over your heart that keeps God at a distance. So let's prayerfully say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19. Now, once these obstacles are removed, then the atmosphere can start to change and a miracle can happen now. Verse 6. In the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. The, the Lord told Joshua, today... I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. It says, give this command to the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant. It says, when you reach the bank of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. It says, today you will know that the living God is among you. It said, he will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. And we talked about that, driving them out of the promised land ahead of you. And uh, it says, look, verse 11, look, the ark of the covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now, choose 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the ark of, of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Okay, so Joshua, he received his orders, right, from the Lord, and he obeyed them by faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Joshua's faith, it was not passive. It was not a passive feeling. It was an active force. So let me just point out that the sanctification process, this uh, purification process that the Israelites um, were called to was not only to get their heart right, ultimately, sanctification is for God's purpose. God always gets the glory. A surrendered, humble heart brings glory to the nations. Second Corinthians says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more People, nations, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Okay, verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the ark went ahead of them. And it was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks, right? We already knew that. It's flood stage, one mile wide of rushing water is what they're looking at. But... As soon as the feet of the priest were, who were carrying the ark touched the, wa the water at the river's edge, 
the water above that point began backing up to a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. Okay, this is interesting because 40 years prior to that, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, the water parted right before them as they stood in front of it. We read that in Exodus 14, but not this time. It's not parting. When it comes to the issues of the Spirit, we're to step in by faith. God leaves, uses every opportunity to teach us to see and hear with the ears and eyes of our faith. Right? He says, step out. Step in. Step up in faith. And watch and see what I'll do. And I read... Uh, that uh, the town of Adam, you have a map? Yeah, that little red circle, because it's hard to see, that's Adam. That little arrow points to that yellow line, that's where they're coming out of Acacia Grove and they're heading towards Jericho. They're that, little, that little blue, that's the river, the Jordan River. But from that yellow line to that dot of Adam is about 19 miles upstream. 19 miles. So, um, and I think it's significant to note that the children of Israel while experiencing their own miracle, God was working another miraculous event that was taking place upstream. And they didn't even know it, right? He, God, is, is working out of sight. And he still works that way today, right? That's why he says, trust me, don't walk by sight, walk by faith, right? So, but think about it. What were the people of Adam thinking? And I, God is such an exponential God. He doesn't just fix one thing. That one thing starts to affix and, 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 and affect many, right? He does things exponentially, very efficient. Uh, um, he can uh, multitask very, very well. So I'm sure that the people in that town or that region in, in Adam were affected and changed by the miracle that they, dis that they just witnessed. I was wondering... Are they coming to the, you know, they're at the river, maybe they're doing laundry, some guys are fishing, and all of a sudden, the water just starts to, you know, to back up. It just, it's, it's moving up. Maybe a wall's coming. I'm wondering if this guy's fishing on this side, and this person, it, it's, you know, it's a dry riverbed. Like, what, what's happening in Adam? I, I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking it had to make them stop in their tracks. I had to be doing something in Adam as well. Um, that's just me. That's what I was thinking. Okay, uh, pick it up on verse uh, 16. It says, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of this riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. So, this is not a quick trip, right? Three million men and women and children crossing the Jordan River on dry ground, I'm sure took a significant amount of time. And I can, you bet that was probably a, a sight to behold, a day to remember. God waits until it's impossible. And then he does the impossible so no one is confused 
about God's role in this matter. And did you catch verse 16? The miracle happened near the town of Jericho. We don't have time to get into that, but that's another, that's another um, uh, story. But the, uh, this is the town that the Israelites would soon conquer, as many of you know. Um, the people of Jericho, they heard and they saw the wonders God did. And that was the Israelites crossing the uncrossable. So the people came to trust Joshua as their new leader. But more importantly, God established a foundation of faith that would carry them throughout the upcoming battles as they moved into the promised land. I don't know how many of you know that we have to have a foundation of faith, and that was said even today and even in prayer time, that those faith moments with God in order to endure the trials that were spoken to, you know, the trials that are going to come our way. For me, I like to journal, so I like to uh, write out my prayers, and then when God answers them, I write them down so that it, when I go back to read them, it, it, it stirs up my faith, it, um, like what God has done in my life, and I'm sure the same in yours, especially if I'm facing uh, uncrossable circumstances and situations. And in chapter 4 of Joshua, God told Joshua to have 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, to take a stone from the dry riverbed and carry it on their shoulders and pile these 12 stones and make a memorial as to remember the miracles God did that day. Because we need to remind ourselves we are a forgetful people, right? If we don't write it down, I know it's going to get lost. It gets lost, lost in the shuffles of life. And so that's, that's why God says build a, a, a memorial here so people will remember. Write this down. We need to stir ourselves. Mike Heron, who was here, uh, he's a wonderful man of God. He's a musician. He's a teacher. He's a great friend of our pastor's. He was here um, earlier in the year, and, um, and he spoke at our Wednesday service um, after he gave a powerful message, which involved playing uh, on the piano and teaching. He does, because he's a musician, so he, it was a wonderful service, and it was on faith. And he began to pray for us after he was done, and his prayers soon turned into prophetic prayers for the body of Christ. Um, the atmosphere definitely changed and you felt the presence of the Lord in that room. Many of you actually, they're sitting here, we're here that night, and you can re recall the same thing. And as soon as Mike was done, was finished praying, do you remember what happened? Pastor Dory got up and said, the presence of the Lord is in this room right now. We, we are on holy ground. We need to come up and kneel before the Lord, consecrate ourselves before the Lord right now. And we got up from, these, from the seats. We all came to the altar and I, people were weeping, were crying. I saw couples holding their hands, just praying to the Lord. You could feel the, the atmosphere of the Lord. We were doing exactly kind of what the Israelites just did and what they experienced. Um, I believe that faith was imparted to us that night. I believe that people's prayers were answered. I believe that relationships were restored. Um, you could just feel that something was happening among everyone in here. And we didn't have time. I'd love to even hear what, what happened um, that evening. But it was just a reminder that 
that we need to we need to stir our faith up. We need to be encouraged. Here's the, uh, uh, the psalm that I thought about. Psalm 8, 83, 18. It says, For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. You alone are God. Enoch, if you'll come up in the worship team, let's uh, have some worship as we finish here. We close the service. We um, we leave uh, about 10, 15 minutes here at the end just to have an opportunity. One, because I know once you go out these doors, life starts, things happen. And so this is an opportunity to sit and just kind of say, okay, God, what are you, where are you calling me right now? If you need your faith uh, encouraged this morning, if you feel um, that you need to purify or sanctify yourself before the Lord, this is the time to do it. If you, you want to come over here and get prayer, we have a prayer ministry a team that are prayed up. I heard them praying earlier. They are ready for you to lay hands on you, to pray for you, to encourage you. Um, if you don't, if you just want to come and just pray on your own right here by yourself, you can do that as well. Um, but I do want you guys to just take a few minutes, even at your seats, as we sing this last song, say, okay, God, thank you for reminding me, Lord. Thank you for building my faith today. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for, this show me, for showing me obstacles, God, that are blocking me, Lord, that are hindering me from receiving all that you have and all that you want to give. So take a few minutes before you, before you run out today.